Welcome back to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. The holidays are here again, which means rewatching Die Hard, eating too many cookies, running into your high school bully at your hometown grocery store, and verbally sparring with your racist uncle, who is 100% convinced that your iPhone is working for the deep state. As fun-filled as this time of year can be, it can also force a plethora of sticky situations and quizzical conundrums for us to deal with. Well, Hold on to your candy canes, because we're going to help you get through it all. Soundside has rounded up a panel of etiquette and relationship experts to answer your toughest holiday questions. Arden Kleiss is a Seattle-based etiquette expert and author. Lindy West is an author and the host of the wonderful new podcast from KUOW, Text Me Back. Check it out on your favorite podcast app. And Megan Hatcher-Mays is a democracy policy expert and Lindy's co-host on Text Me Back. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. you for having us. Thanks for having us. So, Arden, I want to start with you. The last time we talked on the show, tipping was the subject of the day. And we talked about the everyday life conundrums when you're out grabbing a coffee or, you know, doing whatever uh, kind of commerce and wondering whether you're supposed to tip. When it comes to tipping during the holiday season, though, this is that time of year when people maybe chip in a little extra, you know, to give a gift that shows that they are appreciative of somebody's work throughout the year. What are your guidelines on tipping during the holiday season? Yes, definitely a little bit different from regular tipping, Libby. So the things to keep in mind is, well, first of all, it's not mandatory. You do not have to tip. We do so because we... I want to show appreciation and gratitude for the people who make our lives easier. So think about um, uh, various things in terms of how big of a city you live in. Is the cost of living higher? If so, the tips will be higher. Um, Your means, something else to consider. Are you you uh, able to really shell out some funds or is it going to be hard for you? And then also consider your relationship with the person. How long have you known them? How close are you? How much time do they spend working for you? Those are all the things to consider. I'm going to go to Megan first and then Lindy. When do you tip in the holidays? Do you think about like, you know, adding a little extra in to somebody that you work with throughout the year? Um, My mom used to tip the milkman around this time of year. (laughs) That's what I remember. Yeah, I wish I had a milkman. That seems nice. I, You know, I am a chronic tipper. I tip everyone at all times. I'm never not tipping. Uh, I, you know, there are some professions you're not where they're not allowed to accept tips like that sort of thing. But I just, you know, we live in such a difficult time and people are working really hard for very low wages that I just feel like I, whatever, I, <laughs> if there is a tip line on a receipt, I'm leaving you something. I don't care if the service was bad. <laughs> you still had to help me, even if you didn't do a good job. <laughs> so I tip everyone at at all times. And I think during the holidays, it is, I try to be a consistent tipper throughout the year, if I'm being honest. I try not to save it all up for the holiday season because, uh, you know, that can be difficult. Like if you're relying on tips or like a holiday bonus to, you know, that's that's hard. So I, I would rather um, try to be consistent throughout the year, Lindy, do you add in a little extra for folks at the holiday season or what's your rule about that? Well, I love tipping much like Megan, and I feel like it is the most low risk way to engage in mild class warfare and uh, live (laughs) my values. Um, So I do always tip, even if the person was 
openly mean to me. Um, and then the only thing that holds me back from tipping extra at the holidays is um, disorganization. Like sometimes I fail to buy gifts for even my closest loved ones <laughs> um, or not carrying cash around. Like if I, I all I want is to give every parking attendant like $40 and I never have $40. So I'm just not a very, very well organized person. So I fail to tip extra in the holidays sometimes but like Megan said like I try to just be really really consistent and I would never dream of not tipping someone in a service position um no matter how they treated me because it's part of their salary and um when I do get it together to like give the guy that mows our lawn an extra hundred dollars at Christmas I feel like a million bucks it is the (laughs) I feel like a real adult and a good citizen and a good neighbor so I recommend it yeah, it's like, wow, I'm so, I'm amazing that I thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Something. It's, a, it's a real win-win. <laughs> really, the, the greatest gift is the one you give to yourself, which is the satisfaction of knowing that you're a superior person. Um, Arden, I'm going to list some, um, you know, uh, professions of people that help, uh, you know, out throughout the year, service worker uh, mostly. And I want your take on, you know, whether we should tip them or if it's even acceptable and how much to tip them. Um, What about your mail carrier? Mail carrier is a government employee. So you need to avoid, well, actually you can give a gift, but no cash. Uh, And the gift has, has to stay under $50, the value of it. Uh, No gift cards, no checks. And that's true for teachers as well if they're public schools. So any government employee, you cannot give them cash. But a small gift, a plate of cookies, something like that is something that you can offer to a mail carrier or a teacher. Absolutely. Uh, Dog walker. Your dog walker should get up to one week's pay or a gift. Landscaper. Landscaper gets $20 to $50. Babysitter or daycare staff. Your daycare staff is going to get uh, one week's worth or one month's worth of of pay, depending on how often your child goes. Your babysitter is one day's worth. How about a housekeeper? Housekeeper is one week's salary and a gift from the children. In-home health aid. I faced this when uh, I had a family member who was getting in-home health care, uh, and I, I didn't know what to do. It was, it was tough. What, what should you give an in-home health aid at the holidays? So do the same thing, one week's worth of pay for them in a tip or a gift. Hairstylist or manicurist? It's going to be um, the, up to the cost of one visit, and then if there's multiple people that work on you, you split it between the staff. Uh, it's also nice to bring a gift if you want. Lindy and Megan, is there anybody in your life that you're kind of thinking about that you wonder if you should tip or how much to tip and uh, you want to talk it out here? So I was actually just thinking today, I was like, am I supposed to get a Christmas gift for my therapist or am I supposed to tip my therapist? And I was like, no, I mean, I spend a lot. <laughs> I probably don't need to tip her on top of that. But I, I just had this. It's so interesting. I was just thinking about that earlier today. Is there like a rule for tipping those sorts of professionals in your life? <laughs> 
That's such a good question. Arden, is there an answer to that? There is. And basically your professional, the professionals in your life, service professionals, like your therapist, accountant, bookkeeper, attorney, auditor, banker, blah, blah, blah. No tip needed, but a a holiday card is great. Okay. That I can handle. (laughs) Maybe for a tip for your therapist or at least a holiday gift, you could just break some of your more self-destructive cycles in in the new year and see her work. Uh, see her work coming to fruition. Yeah. Finally establish some lasting boundaries. I think I think that would be a good gift. <laughs> Lindy, any thoughts, anybody you're wondering about tipping or any uh, tipping conundrums that have come your way? Well, I'm not wondering about anything, but I did learn something yesterday, which is that I went to the pot store to buy some pot for my husband. And um, I don't smoke pot because I'm a baby but um i'm not cool <laughs> but <laughs> they i you have to pay with cash and like i said i never use cash and so it was like 85 dollars or something and i gave them a hundred dollars and then i was like keep the change like i was like do you guys take tips and she said she said yeah we do and then i was like well that's for you then and that felt really good and fun and i would never have occurred to me if i wasn't immediately like ew i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to get this change and carry this money around, even though I earlier just said that I love to have cash to tip people, but I'm a basket case. I don't know. Don't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, a cash based business like that, it's, you know, a little bit easier to kind of slip some folks a little a little extra. That's good to know. Show a little green at the pot store. Um, Okay, I want to take a quick detour into holiday dress codes because I was just talking to a work acquaintance. So this work acquaintance tells me that they were shamed for an outfit that they wore to a holiday party over the weekend. The dress code on the invitation said comfy and festive. And so this person wore a pair of stretchy black pants and a sweater, thinking that's comfy and festive. Well, a fellow partygoer commented on the outfit and said something along the lines of, wow, you really wore sweats? Like, how offensive that you would wear sweats to a a party. Um, Arden, I'll start with you. How do you navigate a dress code in a holiday invitation? Because comfy and festive can be a wide range. I was just going to say that is one difficult dress code. (laughs) I mean, I don't blame her for going with stretch pants that are comfortable You know, I think it always is helpful to ask someone, one of the party planners, what does comfy and festive mean to you? Because their interpretation of it may be you're not wearing your, you know, dress pants, but you're wearing nice khakis or a skirt or, you know, who knows? Uh, So do ask. I think that just helps a lot to get an idea of what it means. Yeah, one person's suit is another person's snuggie, and everybody has a different uh, interpretation of that, especially today. Um, Lindy, how do you interpret d- dress codes when you see something like that? Like, if you're giving me a dress code and you're going to be mean to me if I fail your test, <laughs> you're a bad friend and I don't like you. But, um, gosh, I live a casual life. I thought we had all moved into sweatpants uh, territory during COVID and that now sweatpants uh, are acceptable for any dress code. <laughs> I thought we rewrote the rule book. Arden, you will probably say you have to follow the dress code. I do. I think, yeah, th- if they're stating a dress code, they want a certain look. So yeah, I think it, and it's being part of the 
the, the group, you know, a team player. I guess if the president invited me to a wedding and said white tie, <laughs> I would write back and say, you need to be more specific what that means. I work from home <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm a goblin. Um, but if my friend was having a party and they said cocktail, it would never occur to me to get clarification because if what I wear to their party makes them so mad that they don't want to be my friend, that is not a real friendship and that is bizarre to me. And I, you can wear anything you want when you come to any of my events. I do not care. But <laughs> I, again, I think I'm a casual slob. So, <laughs> Megan, where do you fall along the lines of uh, sharp dresser or casual slob? <laughs> well... Here I am in my Beyonce concert tee. So somewhere in the middle <laughs> would be my guess. I mean, I, I to an extent, pay attention to um, dress codes on invites. What I don't understand is it sounds like in your story, Libby, it wasn't even the host that came no. up to this person about the pants. It's like some other guest. It was like a fellow you... party goer shaming well, her for well, wearing that, sweats. To me, that is the most bonkers part part of all of this it's like it's one thing to have a dress code on your invite and we should i guess all do our best to to meet it as clarification if you need but if you're a fellow party goer what mind your business don't go up to people and be like ew sweatpants really carla like why would you do that it's not your party what why would you care so to me, it's just kind of like, one, I think as fellow partygoers, let's all just mind our business. We're all just doing our best. As Lindy mentioned, I'm fairly certain 90% of us moved on past wearing pants with, um, you know, a zipper. I don't do that really anymore. Uh, it's uh, it's stretchy only because that's, we're living in difficult times. Um, also, the whole I feel like the whole point of a holiday party is to eat as many snacks as you can carry and wearing sort of like a restrictive cocktail dress hinders your ability to eat cookies and um, truffles and risotto balls, which are my favorite. Strategically, though, an empire waist really lets you expand. I'm just saying there are dresses that have uh, greater possibilities for overeating, Mm -hmm. uh, which I enjoy. Also, I want to say that there is an unfair double standard because I feel like someone who looks like a model can show up to the party wearing stretch pants and yep. a little bandana as a top and everyone will be like, ooh, fashion forward. And when when I show up in my stretch pants and a bandana as a little top, people don't like it. <laughs> and that's not fair. And that's not justice. And so that's why I think I have a little bit of... um. Uh, a sort of rascally counterculture feeling about the dress code because it feels very mm, (laughs) it feels unevenly applied Mm. dress code justice yeah I mean you know I think about some of the outfits that uh, Sarah Jessica Parker flung on during her sex in the city 90s days and I'm like if I walked around with that on no one would think it was cool it would be I would be actually called in for like a welfare check <laughs> um okay so let's move on to gifting cuz that's one of the things that really uh can can be troublesome during this holiday season biggest question that I have and that multiple folks who are writing in with with holiday conundrums had was do I have to get a gift for my boss Arden, I want you to take this one first. The answer is no, a big no, because it can look like you're brown nosing. 
Um, and it can also make your boss feel like they have to give a gift to every employee. So what you can do is get your coworkers together and go in on a group gift or take your boss out to lunch or something like that, or just give them a card. Something that kind of spreads the input around so it's not like me spending a lot of money on some gift that the boss is probably going to throw out anyway. Exactly. Megan, you were cheering during Arden's answer. (laughs) I have a feeling I know your answer to this, but do you think that one is obligated to get your boss a gift during the holidays? Oh, that person has been making your life miserable for the last 11 months at least. They make way more money than you do. And Arden's totally right. You don't want to be a little brown noser, a little um, boss's pet. How embarrassing. Uh, You know, I would say like a card at most, at most, you know, he doesn't he or she does not deserve your efforts and picking out a gift. Madness, madness. How about you get your self-evaluation review in on time? That's exactly. the gift. I, I do my job at a competent level. Uh, Lindy, any weighing in on do you get your boss a gift during the holiday season? Why or why not? As always, I agree with Megan. I think <laughs> that, you know, even if, how about my boss? Okay, also, <laughs> following up on something Arden said, I think my boss should get me a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if there's going to be if there's going to be a gift in either direction, it should be boss to employee. Um, but also, maybe we should all think a little bit about how much we are all playing into this idea that a business is a family full of friends and fun, and not a you know capitalism based relationship where. Like, no, I don't have to get you a gift. My, I show up here and you pay me for my labor. Yeah, that's the transaction. I'm not getting a gift for the stock market either. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's <laughs> not how it really works in real life. And obviously you do love your coworkers and often you love your boss. But um, I certainly don't think it's mandatory. How about everyone just has a party together and the company pays for it? That's what I think. Okay, let's move on to family questions because dysfunctional family stuff came up a lot when we asked for questions about the holidays. One question was from Joe in Redmond on how to handle church on Christmas when your in-laws are a different denomination or faith. Arden, how do you feel about this? Joe's wondering, um, and it's not clear whether the in-laws are, say, a different Christian denomination, so they're actually celebrating Christmas, or if the in-laws, one is Christian and one is not. But how do you handle uh, actually physically going to church or celebrating the religious aspects of a holiday when you have a a family with mixed backgrounds? So when people are visiting, if you are someone who goes to church and you go to a specific church that maybe doesn't match up with your, your relatives, I would suggest saying, you know, we typically go to, you know, midnight mass or, you know, whatever it is, Um, at the XYZ church, and you're welcome to join us. Or if you prefer to go to your denominational church, um, we're happy to meet up afterwards and and have a nice dinner or a nice, you know, dessert or whatever it is. So don't don't put your your religious expectations on someone, but do offer in case they'd like to join you. Lindy or Megan, are either one of you religious or do you navigate this in your own families? Never 
came up ever once in my life. <laughs> no, um, ma'am. <laughs> it, it sure hasn't. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, you know, I would say that if you are not religious and maybe you're staying with religious family, obviously, please feel emboldened to have boundaries and say, no, thank you. I don't want to attend church. But also, I grew up singing in choir and I ended up going to church a lot, even though both my parents were atheists and I just I have no faith background. And there is something, you know, it can be a nice sort of interesting experience and you gain a little bit of perspective about what other people's lives are like. I mean, there I found something really uh, just sort of educational and interesting about going to church once in a while. Yeah. So be open minded because you don't know what it's, you know, maybe going to be a, a really could be a valuable experience, even if you're not going to devote your life to a faith. If you have any curiosity about it, I'm not saying go be converted uh, unless you want to, but I just even mean, I don't want this to sound dismissive, but like anthropologically, it's like re religion is such a huge thing. <laughs> That's an understatement, but um, it, it's so important in so many people's lives and in obviously like the the way that this country functions. And I don't know, I find it, I, I have found it interesting to gain a little bit of perspective about like what happens at church because <laughs> I truly was had no idea. The only time I've been to church has been holidays and weddings. And I always, yeah, I find it to be instructional. I find it to be an enjoyable experience. Um, Megan, any final thoughts on this before we move on? No, I think Lindy's totally right. I think um, it, I, I totally agree. I, I very, very rarely went to church growing up, but it, it can be a very nice experience, but you should never feel pressure to go, even if you are staying with someone, if you feel like, oh, I have this obligation to my host. Um, you don't. You you should protect yourself if you have you know a history with religion that is traumatic. You should you should absolutely um, establish that boundary. But if you and also even if you do go thinking it's going to be great and then something somebody says something that doesn't match up with your values, you shouldn't feel bad about leaving either. That's okay too. So we're talking about. Lindy mentioned something uncomfortable, and and speaking of uncomfortable things, uh, a question from somebody who wrote in who said, "I'm bringing my partner." to my family's Christmas party for the first time. My family is normally pretty mild-mannered and polite, but they become total gremlins during this party because everyone drinks too much. There's almost zero chance of my partner not witnessing some kind of bad behavior with my family. So how can I shield them from the worst of it? Arden, any thoughts on this? Yes. So, you know, this happens so much for so many families. And what I would suggest is tell your partner, hey, this is probably what's going to happen. I want you to be prepared and set up a signal that you can have. If your partner is feeling overwhelmed or uncomfortable, you can say, you know, use the signal and maybe you go take a walk or you go, you know, upstairs and play with the kids or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that you have an opportunity for your partner to kind of have a little escape from the, the, the madness, the craziness, because it probably will happen. For me, it was always, I got to take the dog for a walk. That's my safety valve. Uh, Megan, what do you think about this? How do you help your partner along if they are going into 
basically a war zone of Christmas drunkenness with your family <laughs> or other dysfunction, not just, who you know, alcohol or whatever. Well, um, yes, I think there's probably no way to shield them, per se, from how your family acts. I think the best thing is to, to do is just what Arden said, which is really kind of prepare them for what you're going into and have a plan to either leave or hide <laughs> for a little while. Uh, my husband and I have um, have like a couple of go-tos are all dog related by the way it's like oh did you remember to give the dog her medicine oh no you know like that sort of thing uh if it gets really bad but also if your family if it's a kind of um gremlin that is like mostly funny and, and art in place seattle-based etiquette expert and fine. author um this is delightful sure everybody thank you like, so much and families am i right happy wonderful holidays to all of but you but if they're like uh you know unpleasant tra trauma gremlins um my really strong advice is you don't have to go just because they're your family um your family especially during the holidays your family can be one of the top sources of uh, hurt and and pain i'm sorry to be a bummer but that is true and you don't have to put yourself through that just because it's the holidays you really should think about ways to protect yourself and if that means staying home then you should do that but also but if you do end up going your partner can be that person for you that is your support and who is your shield almost it's like that's I think my my husband and I have found ourselves in situations where I'm like can you sit by so and so so I don't have to talk to them about their house plants I can't you know or, or whatever <laughs> whatever it is. It's like, I can't deal with that person right now. Can you sit next to them? Or can you distract Uncle Carl while I go stress eat 50 cookies in the bathroom? So that's that's why you bring your spouse to these things. But also, I, I really want to emphasize that if your family is actually hurting you, uh, there's really, you really don't need to put yourself back into shark infested waters every year just because it's Christmas. I agree. I mean, in a certain way, I feel like as a person who's less emotionally invested and, you know, it's a less fraught situation, your maybe your partner should be protecting you, should be buffering for you, just like Megan just described. Although also, Megan, don't tell people about your bad signal. Your... I know. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have, <laughs> I shouldn't have told them about my my secret code. I have to the think of a new one up. for next Thanksgiving or next Christmas. I know. <laughs> and it kind of blew up my spot too. I unfortunately I, I don't know what I was thinking. You guys, this is this is a problem. Um, but I also think it could be, again, um, assuming it's not an actual traumatic experience, it could be a really great bonding experience with your partner. There's nothing more fun than, um, you know, being home for a family holiday. And like maybe even if you have siblings and everybody sort of makes eye contact when things are going sideways and it's like, hey, do you want to take the dog for a walk? And then you get to go outside and like gossip about what's going on inside mm -hmm. that's fun i love to have a click <laughs> within the family yep. where we you know um decompress together and a, a spouse is a fun person to do that with like if yeah. I, it's it's kind of like i wish that we all smoked cigarettes or something except nobody smokes and including me but it's that vibe it's like hey let's go have a cigarette and then you get to gossip about mm -hmm. what your aunt how your aunt fell off her chair or whatever yeah it's a built-in break the truly the the car ride home after a gremlin family holiday party where you're just like, oh, my God, when Auntie Carla said the thing. Oh, 
<laughs> you know, th those are the things that dreams are made of. That Those are the foundations upon which lifelong relationships are built. It's the yeah. car ride home from trauma parties. <laughs> when Uncle Al said he wanted to disband the FDA, like <laughs> all of that. Um, any final thoughts on that, Arden, before we move on? Yeah, I think, you know, there's there can be a lot of humor in it. And when we can look back and just kind of laugh at, and know, gosh, this happens in so many families, you know, so keeping it kind of in perspective um, versus really taking things personally and getting upset and being triggered. I mean, it, you know, it's easy to get triggered, but but just keeping the the whole picture, big picture in mind and 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 finding the humor and in, in the silliness and the craziness. <laughs> That's the best way. Yeah. And and last question here before we let our panel go. Um, and this is uh, for listeners, uh, a little warning here. It involves a jolly old elf that rhymes with Spantamaz. Uh, so I will wait for a minute in case any sensitive ears are listening. Pause. Okay. The young ones who, who might be interested in this are, are gone now. Um, this question is, my nephew is 11 and still believes in Santa Claus. It's getting a little tough to keep up the charade. What should I do? I want to start with Megan on this one, and then we'll go around the horn. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know, it's like my first, my first instinct. It's like there's only one time in your life where magic exists. And it's from like birth to, uh, in this case, 11, right? And maybe longer. Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's like, do you want to be the literal Grinch and ruin that one, the la like probably last one or two remaining years where this child believes in magic? Just go with it. It's not that hard. It's not like people are accidentally like, well, Santa doesn't exist. You know, just leave him alone. Let him have this magical time. Uh, you you can, I believe in you, that you can keep up the charade a little bit longer so that this kid can have one or two more years of naive and beautiful, magical time. Leave him alone. Lindy? Yeah, I agree with Megan. Also, nephew is not a close enough relation for you to have jurisdiction over <laughs> when the magic dies. That is not, yeah, I need to know more about this aunt or right. uncle are or, you, like, you know, their, person who... Are you their custodial yeah. aunt or uncle? <laughs> like, then fine, I guess. You can make that choice for yourself. But you can't make that choice for your sibling's child. The question is phrased as though this is such a constant, troublesome dilemma that is always coming up. Like, how often are you confronted with this problem? Just write to Jeffy from Santa on the tag and you're done and be like, is it that they really want credit for the present that they got? Also, is the Santa myth, does the Santa myth claim that only Santa gives presents? Just be like, here's your present from me. I hope Santa gets you some good stuff. I just don't understand what this charade is that you're so <laughs> deeply involved in. You're put out for seven days a year per year. <laughs> but you just landed on something, Lindy, that I think is fascinating. And I have to say, you might be right. I think it's about credit. I think that they don't want all the gifts to be considered to be from a magical elf. They want to know that the the nephew is grateful to them. And that's really problematic, I think. Like, just go with it, man. Um, 
Arden, do you have any final thoughts on this before we uh, head out? <laughs> well, I would I absolutely agree with Megan and Lindy. And this is my approach. Just like a aunt or uncle should not correct their niece or nephew's man- manners, they should not break the magic of the belief in Santa. It is not their job. And they should just go along with it. As long as that child believes in in Santa, that is none of their business. It's the job of the schoolyard bully. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else from Megan or Lindy on this? Um, And thanks, everybody, for for doing this. If I found out that this person ruins Christmas for their nephew, it's it's I'm mm, it's game over for you, person. Gonna have to have an emergency, emergency podcast. Emergency (laughs) text me back on that. You're gonna be the schoolyard bully. (laughs) Yes, I I will (laughs) schoolyard bully anyone who tells their nephew that Santa doesn't exist. No uncle is safe from me. (laughs) Not a one. (laughs) Not a one. Well, you heard it from uh, potential schoolyard bully Megan Hatcher-Mays, who's also a democracy and policy expert and co-host of Text Me Back, which you can find on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You also heard from Lindy West, author and co-host of Text Me Back, and Arden Kleiss, Seattle-based etiquette expert and author. This is delightful, everybody. Thank you so much. And... Merry, happy, wonderful holidays to all of you. Thank you. Likewise. Thank, Thank you. you.